Welcome back to another season of Soccer Spotlight. Keep the episode numbers running, so episode 12 on WQSU-FM, on Apple Podcasts, and on Spotify. Again, same hosts as last semester, Anthony Heller, Ryan Campbell, back after winter break, and uh, a lot to talk about since uh, our last episode. It was almost two months ago. Wow, a long time ago. A lot of things happened in the soccer world, World Cup, Premier League. I actually got to experience a North London Derby thanks to my Uncle Daryl. Shout out to him because this was an experience I never would have had if he didn't come through on his end of the deal. And it takes a real man to come through on the end of the deal. But, yeah, lots to talk about today. Yeah, I mean, it, I saw the pictures you, you uh, posted. It was pretty. It was a great experience. I, I can mm. only imagine that. Mm. You know, but we'll see. I'm going to go trip in a few years. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so, we're gonna v- welcome you back, everyone. Uh, everyone listening, uh, see another uh, semester full of episodes recorded on Thursdays, as ever. We'll uh, start with the World Cup, um, and what a way, what an ending! I would have to say, best World Cup I've ever seen in my life. Yeah, I, I think you're probably right there. Uh, you know. Th- it started off kind of like, and you know, at the beginning of the tournament, it was okay. This is this might not be a great World Cup, yeah. and you know, it, it it had it had everything you want. Like it had a dramatic, yeah. it had drama, it had every, and and look, the final was one of the best games of yeah. of soccer ever. Yeah, and even Argentina, Argentina lost Saudi Saudi Arabia. I thought Argentina, maybe they were a round of like a quarterfinals team. But if you would have told me they would have gone to the finals and won it and the way they did after the Saudi Arabia game, I would have told you, are you crazy? Even me, as a as big as a Messi fan as I am, I didn't expect this. Yeah, I mean, they made their penalties count. That, that I mean, yeah. they, they won on penalties twice. They, I mean, we can address the, the number of penalties they received mm-hmm. in the run of play. And I think there's, there's something to look at there. I mean, mm-hmm. it's like an unprecedented number of penalties they were awarded. Mm-hmm. But, you know, at the end of the day, they got in the attacking positions. Yeah. And most of the penalties they got were actually penalties. Yeah. They I, they were soft. They got a lot of soft penalties, but I think but they were penalties. They're penalties in today's game. But also, Emiliano Martinez came through in a penalty shooter. Every, every time they needed him in penalty shoot, Copa America and in World Cup, he has come through. He has been that guy when Argentina needed him to come through. And I have to give it up to him because... He's a bad guy in a lot of people's story, but for his country and for his hero, Messi, he is always going to be a hero. Yeah, I mean, I think they're maybe a little lucky to come away from the quarterfinal against the Netherlands. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, you, you really, there's there's an argument for several players having been sent off, I and mean, even in the Dutch. Pro, that game really, the fact that that game ended 11-11 is it's crazy. beyond me. Mateo La- Lahos should never been in charge of that game, and I'm happy to see him retiring because he doesn't have control, and he makes a game about him when he refs all these big games. No, yeah, because he comes back in club football. That was at Barcelona, I think, against Espanyol. Yeah. And he shows another 30 yellow cards, which is ridiculous. Like, you've got two cards in your pocket. One's yellow, one's red. You're going to show that many yellows without showing a red, and... You know, mm-hmm. Messi's handball that went unpunished and then he was later booked, that's the turning point in that game. I think 
Because if Messi sent off, if Messi sent off, they don't win that game. You could say that, but at the same time, Messi doesn't talk as much as he did. Messi's a smart enough player to not talk as much as he did if he had a yellow. That's why my argument against that is because we all know Messi. Messi isn't some just, you know, average Joe player that is a hothead and is going to do something stupid when the game is turning against him. Messi is smarter than that. And I think everyone in the world that knows soccer knows that is not Messi. And Messi doesn't talk that if he has a first yellow, I think. Do you think Paredes should have had a straight red? Yes. I was surprised. I was, when I saw that, I, I was like, oh, my gosh. My heart jumped because I was just like. I have expected him to send off Van Dyke for that and not Paredes. That's how poorly that game was refereed. Oh, my God. Anything? It was uh, That, I think, may have been the worst. Mm-hmm. Aside from that, I think that's on a level with um, the – the disgrace at the bridge back in 2010. I think those two are up there, probably the worst refereeing performances of all time. Yeah. And another thing I want to talk about too is what happened in the U.S. national team. I get a person's past and what happened in the past, right? But for you to bring it up, Giorena's parents to bring it up because you didn't play his son and your son supposedly wasn't putting enough effort in. He almost got sent on the players. It was one vote. I forgot who was the deciding player, but they kept him in the team. And you decide to bring up someone's past, your friend's past. You guys are that type of a family. That is just disgraceful to me, to the Reina family. And if I'm looking that like that for the American dressing room, I don't know about you, but playing soccer like that, if that was one of my teammates when I used when I used to play soccer, I would have never trusted him. I couldn't even tell him anything because I could think in the back of my head, well, in 20 years from now, he's gonna bring that up. Like, how do I know? If I got into, like, say, a little argument, shouting match with my parents, he's not going to bring it up on TV saying, oh, this and that, and that stuff is said, and he's going to embarrass me. So I, I think that's a bad look for Gio Reyna, especially, because how do you go back in a Dortmund dressing room, the U.S. dressing room or any other dressing room, and you and the players trust you and want to fight for you? Yeah, I mean, it, 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 was, it was a mistake. I think that whole situation was really, that's, that's the opposite of what you want. Like, you're trying to build a... You're trying to build a nation to a point where they can compete for a World Cup, and when that when that stuff happens, it sets you back. It sets you back another ten years. Because yeah. even I was talking to someone about it the other day. I was saying this doesn't happen in any other country besides the U.S. Because the U.S. has sometimes a lot of entitled parents that thinks when their child is playing, they can do anything to make sure. Sometimes it's just about telling your child to put the extra work in to impress the coach and play. Yeah, I mean the the easiest way to make yourself known at the higher level is let your let your playing do the talking that's you know i was a club level player um and and what i did is i i shut up and i did what i needed to do on the pitch and that's what got me uh to to the ecnl level yeah because now i look at it too from a from a better perspective in g arena's career say if he gets if me and i wants to commit for him or Chelsea, or even Arsenal, Real Madrid, or Barcelona, one of those clubs. Javi, Arteta, Klopp, Ten Hag, Guardiola, Justin, throwing out coach's name, but do you really think they want that problem? If they realize Giorena is not in good form, they drop him, and then you have his parents coming out with all these explosive things saying about that. They don't want that headache, and I think that hurts Reina in the future. No, I think it, it, sets, it, sets, it sets the U.S. national team back, and it sets Giorena back. Because now, you know, he's going to be looking for that big move to really make the next step in his career and, and do what not many American players have been able to do and get to a top club and follow in the footsteps of Christian Pulisic. Mm-hmm. Now that you have that, you know, 
blemish on your record, it's going to make that s- that much harder. Yes. It's just disappointing for me from my view about what happened. But I hope he is able to overcome it. Yeah, so I have, I have one more question for you about the World Cup uh, mm-hmm. before we move on uh, to club football. Were both the France's penalties penalties? Was every penalty given in the World Cup final a penalty? Yes. I'll see yeah, that. I, I, I agree. But there's a few other things I want to talk about right before we move on, though. We have to clap it up to Morocco. And we Croatia. absolutely do. We absolutely give credit. If, if anyone would have told us and told us as soccer fans or any soccer fan, Morocco and Croatia would have been final Argentina and France, we would have laughed at you and we would have said, Morocco really or even Croatia? I would have said no way. Well, yeah. I mean, we didn't expect Croatia to get past Brazil. I mean, remember, we were in class. Um yeah. When that uh, Croatia game happened, uh, when they beat Brazil, and everyone was shocked, oh, we were going crazy. It was when uh, when Bruno Pekovic scored. None of us knew what to say. Yeah, and the other one too was that this final. I just had to think about it. If my dad ever was to come on this show, he would tell you <laughs> I was back and forth during the final. He said it was the most nervous I've ever been. When Argentina was up two goals, I was happy. I was all this bragging, had that swagger about me. When that first goal goes in, I'm nervous. Just like, all right, guys, just hold it on to the game. When that second goal goes in, I was in panic mode because I'm seeing, I'm just thinking um, this is Mbappe's time to show the world that he's the best player. And I think Mbappe did prove he is the best in the world right now. I, yeah, absolutely. He's proved it on the biggest stage in two World Cups, and that performance I saw, most people in the world can't do that. Yeah, and you know, say what you will about um, Messi and the Ballon d'Or, but right now I think it's Mbappe. I think it's Mbappe for sure, but if Messi does something big against Bayern Munich, I think it swings back to Messi because you can't forget his World Cup performance. Yeah, I mean, I think really, like, because I think at this point, the Messi's big time is now. Mbappe's injured right now. This isn't Messi's time to shine. Like he ha- If he wants to win the Ballon d'Or, he has to take advantage of while Mbappe's out because everything they do together is going to help both of their causes equally. Mm-hmm. And, and the thing is, I think it's Mbappe. You look at the, the last two World Cup winners, uh, the last two World Cup years, the Ballon d'Or went to teams in the losing finalist. Because mm-hmm. Modric won in 2014, Messi won uh, in 2018, Mod- Messi won in 2014, and really... If we're being honest, Wesley Snyder should have won in 2010. Um, so I think I think the history favors Mbappe. I think form favors Mbappe. We'll see what France football thinks. France's football is going to give it to him, but wow, just thinking about at that World Cup, a moment, just moments I will never forget in the World Cup. I think I will talk about for a very long time. Yeah, it's it's one of the. I mean, it's the greatest World Cup of our generation. Of course. Of course, our first World Cup was, uh, what, 06? Mm-hmm. Uh, so, we haven't really seen anything. We ha- we've never seen a 3-3 final. And the only final that really compares is, uh, is a 66, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah, so we'll, we'll head back to club football, though. Um, what I want to talk about is, is the Prem. Uh, and what our team of the year so far? Arsenal and Arteta. Yeah. So, so positionally, like how oh, positionally, positionally. So in goal, I think I think Allison. You know, as in bad goal? as Liverpool have been, Allison is. I in mean, goal. without Allison, Liverpool would be five places lower. I could agree, but I'm gonna give out another name that I think deserves credit. Nick Pope of Newcastle. Newcastle, 
Eddie Howe, this, the stigma against Eddie Howe was he couldn't organize a defense at Borman. What I see at Newcastle right now, it, Newcastle is defensively sound. That's the only reason they are this high. And I think they could, they realistically could get top four. They could. I think they will at this point. I say Nick Pope because no one expected this from Newcastle. Newcastle's third. I think I held Arsenal goalless one time. I don't know. I forgot the other game was. They've lost one league game all season. Yes, and that was to Liverpool in the last minute too. Yeah, in that 98th minute winner. Holland, even though Holland, I think, scored a hat-trick against them, they tied with City. Bournemouth, definitely. I mean, Nick Pope, for me... Definitely is goalkeeper of the year. I have to say that. Yeah, I think I think in a team of the year, I'm still gonna pick Allison. I mean, Nick Pope will probably win the Golden Glove because that's based in most mm-hmm. clean sheets. Uh, but I think the the best performing goalkeeper has been Allison. Right back, uh, Kieran Trippier. Kieran Trippier. I agree with that. No, no, no question. He's he's been the turning point. I think you got to give credit to Nick Pope. You got to give credit to Fabian Scherer. You got to give credit to Sven Botman. You got to give credit to Dan Burn. But Trippier has been the turning point at defense. Center backs. Who Center backs. I'm going to go with Saliba and Sven Botman. Oh, my gosh. We're on the same page today. <laughs> I was going the same thing. William Saliba, I had to give him so much credit. He came back from France, and before he wasn't good enough, I don't really know what happened with Arsenal, why he wasn't playing, but I guess they didn't deem him good enough, or he needed to master his craft. But he's come back to France, and he looks like a world beater. He he does look really really good. He's keep Ben White has to play right back a lot of times now because he can't get it into yeah, the and center he's, back. And he's position. also kept Tony Asu out of the team, who's a solid player. Obviously, and Tierney's been out of the team too. Arsenal right now. Oh my gosh, left back though. Zinchenko, I think. Zinchenko has to be. Zinchenko, what he's brought to Arsenal, leadership, the, in even playing in the midfield, and the way he just interacts in the heart. He looks like a different player we've seen from City. He's I've never seen this level from at him when he was at City. Now at Arsenal, he looks like world class. He's bordering on world class to me. Yeah, absolutely. He's he's found a new step. Like he was never able to really break through, of course. And he had uh, before, of course, Benjamin Mendy, mm-hmm. um, and then Joao Cancelo ended up at left back. You know, it was finding minutes hard to come by. Now, Man City are razor thin at fullback. Mm-hmm. They're they're gonna look back at that and say, maybe we shouldn't have sold them. And, and they strengthen Arsenal to a direct tile challenger now. Yeah. Uh, so, next center mid defensive midfielder. There's one answer here, I think. What do you think, Casemiro? I was gonna say that. <laughs> when you watch, I was in. He's London. been incredible. Yeah. I was in London watching a City United game for most of it. I just thought. Casemiro takes United to a whole new level. Yeah, I mean, it was it was always for years now. It's been United fans crying out for a defensive infielder. They found one, and and I, honestly, I think he's been better than he ever really was at Real Madrid. And even Fred too. When I look at Fred, he's made Fred better to a level that I don't. I didn't think Fred could ever reach. Yeah, I mean, I think the. Tell me at the beginning of the season that Fred was outperforming Fabinho, and I would have not believed you. But Fred, the way he controls Fred. And Fred actually looks like a good player. Fred looks like a top-class player, which nobody expected. Uh, okay, so the other two center mids, so maybe one, like eight, maybe a ten. Uh, I'm going to say, you know, I'm going to go for Tiago and De Bruyne. Tiago and De Bruyne. My ten, I would... Actually, I'm going to scratch that. I'm going to say Tiago and Odegaard. I was going to go Odegaard. But Tiago, I like Tiago, but if I'm going to... 
be real I'll probably put De Bruyne as an A. Yeah, I mean I think it's gotta Olga be can. said that Tiago has been Liverpool. Tiago's been Liverpool's best player. Mm-hmm. Um best outfield player. I think Allison has been Liverpool's best player. Uh, I also want to give a shout out to Joe Linton though, because Joe Linton Joe Linton has been good, team yeah. too. Because Linton brings something that most players in Premier League can't. And that crossed my mind, but I want to go max out attack with Odegaard and De Bruyne. Just the way De Bruyne can shoot and just drive. And the way Odegaard is, the way he floats around and can provide tackles. Yeah, absolutely. So now I'll go to the front three. So on the right wing, I'll let you, I'll let you say it because I think we're on the same page here. Bukayo Saka. Yep. Saka, I just want to give him credit, though, because when he missed in the Euros, most players that destroys their career, most yeah. players do not have what we're seeing from Bukayo Saka. I think the best scenario was he had that heartbreaking when he was 18 or 19 in the Euros. Everyone got down on him, and he received racial abuse, and now he's showing that through hard times can make gems. And he's just a player that if I'm Arsenal right now, don't even entertain selling him unless I'm hearing 200 million. I want the record fee broken if oh, if, he's, if a club is going to come in and take I mean, Bukayo Saka. Yeah, you listen. Well, we talked about this earlier. Uh, the, there were talks in the summer. Bukayo Saka to Liverpool. Now can't even think about it. If any club is coming in, I think it has to be overseas, a Real Madrid, or Barcelona. Those oh, are the Barcelona have the money. It, literally, I think. Bar- I don't even think Barcelona is a more enticing project than than Arsenal right now. I think the only club that could come in and, and take him would be Real Madrid. Real Madrid, that's the only club I think. In Real Madrid, $350 million for him right now. If I'm Edu. $350? They're breaking Neymar's record for sure. $350 million because Buka- I, I see I see breaking the transfer record, but 350 seems like a stretch. The only the way I'm saying that is because what Bukasaka does on the field and off the field, he's an England golden boy. If you go to England anywhere, all the dads will say they want someone to date the girl like Picasso, like a nice guy, a guy that doesn't have any problems, a guy that's respectful. That's why I say 350, because what he could offer on and off the field for Real Madrid is way bigger and for Arsenal. Yeah, absolutely. So on the left wing, I think there could be some conversation here. I don't know who your pick is. Who's your pick? I'm going to... Let me think about it for a quick second. This, I think this is the toughest one to pick. Yes, this is tough. Oh, this, that was a good one. I would say before I was going to go, probably like a few months ago, I would have said Luis Diaz, but not with his injury now. No, nah, I think with the injury, he's kind of taking another race. I'm gonna, my pick is Martinelli. Martinelli. I was going to go Martinelli, but... I, I think you have... There's a I'll reasonable, go Martinelli. I think there's a reasonable shout for Almiron, but he's more of a right winger. I was going to go with Almiron, too, but Martinelli. I think Almiron rides the bench. Yeah, I think on, if you're making a team of the year with a bench, I think Almiron's in there. Yeah, Martinelli, I'll go with him, too. And then up front, there's only one. There's Holland. only one pick here. It's Holland. And Holland's my, he, Holland's my player of the year, I think. Holland is, Holland, he's going he's gonna to break the goal record. There's no way he doesn't. The way he's coming, you know before he came to Premier League, he's never go, scored 30 goals in a season, and he's so close right now. No, he, he's already at 30, like... All competitions. Yeah, yeah, but Is it just what, in the 25 Premier, league goals? I think, yeah, 25 league goals in the Premier He's never scored more than 30 league goals, though, in a season. And he's it's going, ridiculous. It's crazy. Holland has changed the Premier League 
what I've seen from Holland is just that no one could stop him. I don't know how do you stop him. He's there's one team that stopped him from scoring over 180. The only team that stopped him from scoring is Liverpool. The one thing I want to see though is that how does City perform in the Champions League? Because that's what Holland brought in for the league. They could lose the league, but if they win the Champions League, I think they're gonna lose the league. I don't think they can catch Arsenal right now. I would say the one thing about City though is that I've t- said everything is that City could rip off so much wins though. That what we seen like how they have done in past against Liverpool, where Liverpool oh, yeah, the, getting a little chance. City Liverpool title races, and City just racks off like fifteen wins straight. Yeah, I mean that eighteen eighteen nineteen was the best title race of all time. Yes, that's that's the only reason I'm saying I'm still hesitant. I'll say Arsenal slight favorites, but I'm not going to go full first in this because what City has done. I know you. I know have. you don't want to jinx yourself because I know you're an Arsenal fan, but I think Arsenal aren't going to be caught. I think Arsenal favorites, but. City has so much players. Grealish, Mares, Holland, Alvarez proved himself at the World Cup that he's world class. In most teams, he's starting in two. Yeah. The one thing I think that hurts is Cancelo. I don't know losing, what happened. I think losing Cancelo is a big blow. I mean, losing Cancelo is, of course, a big blow. I don't know what happened between him and Pep, but Rico Lewis, I think he's good. But Rico Cancelo, Lewis is the real deal. Rico but Cancelo, the the, what he offers, most players in football can't do what he does. The, the problem is, I think, um, with with City's defense, losing Kinsella makes them a lot weaker. I mean, those four center backs they have, Ake and Akanji, are, I am not convinced by. Stones has struggled with injuries, and Ruben Dias has done as well. I think you, you get Dias and Stones fit for the rest of the season. I think they, they give Arsenal a fight. You know, it comes mm-hmm. down to, like, a couple points. I think right now Arsenal are probably going to keep this gap where it is. All right, let me ask you something. What about Chelsea and the Monday spend? What do you think of that? If they don't get FFP'd, I'm gonna be shocked. They be. I'm pretty sure they're gonna be FFP somehow. I don't know I th- how. I mean, so what I read was that yeah. the reason that Enzo Fernandez deal didn't go through uh, earlier in the transfer window, like around January 10th, was because Chelsea financially they had if they because Benfica wanted all the money up front. Mm-hmm. And they couldn't give that. Chelsea couldn't do that without getting FFP, uh, without going over FFP. So I think now that that deal has gone through, I think they are going to get FFP. Tom. Yeah, so I, I think now that they're, I think now with that FFP, I think they're going to be looking, I think probably a transfer ban, maybe a points deduction. But the players they have brought in, so much players, four, I think over 400 million, right? In this window alone, yeah. Over the over the summer and now, I think yeah. it's, I think we're bordering on 650. Wow. Um, the way I just had to say, Chelsea has broke world football. I know when Real Madrid was bringing in the Galacticos, that was big. But this is just totally different. Todd Boy has come in and said, Abramovich, he splashed money in you guys, but look what I could do. Yeah, this is incredible. I mean, the amount of money he spent has been ridiculous. Too. He basically brought a new team in and he, hasn't he, even he sold a lot of players, too. Yeah, he, he, he buys a goalkeeper and now he's got a whole team. And you bring in uh, Koulibaly, Badiashil, uh, Kukurea. You bring in a right back. Oh, he, Malagusto. Oh, um, who else? He didn't bring in really any midfielder behind and Enzo. He brought Enzo, obviously. Raheem Sterling. He got Sterling. He got Chica, Mudrick. Chikamekla. Yeah. He got Modric oh, Carney as well. Yeah, Modric for a, for basically 100 million was crazy. It was insane. When I saw they wanted 
a hundred million from. I was like, Arsenal, do not go in for him. Oh yeah, no. Once I saw that, I was like, oh. I was. I said, go in for someone else. There's go for someone. Do else. not pay a hundred million for him. Look at the fee for Cody Gakpo. Cody Gakpo was thirty-eight million. That's a steal. That's a steal. It's not what Liverpool need, but it's a steal. And a hundred million from Madrid. I was just like, he's going to be. He could be the next Pepe in Arsenal. I was ha- when I saw a hundred million. I was just like, it's not the risk. Yeah, no, it's not a risk you want. Maybe to take, especially because he's blocked. There's no guarantee he'd be a starter. And maybe if he was fit, maybe if it was like around fifty million, I would have took the chance. But yeah, I think I think you're right. Even Joao Felix too. The loan fee they pay for Joao Felix, too, is crazy. Yeah, nine million for six months is ridiculous. I think it's like, I forgot what they said, but I think he makes like either a million or something around that every time he plays for f- till the end of the season. That's crazy. Yeah. So and then let's talk about Liverpool. They they didn't make the move they needed to do. FSG, I think, I speak for many Liverpool fans when I say this, including myself. I think FSG and Liverpool's relationship has been too has become too strained. I think they, I think they're they're just ignorant. I think. You're right. I mean, the worst thing you can have is ignorant owners, and they don't realize. Like, I think at this point, like with a number of things, like try, trying to trademark the word Liverpool, you know, the furloughing of staff, the Super League, obviously. I think, and then now, not dealing with the injury crisis. I think has come to a point of no return. I think. They have to realize that they're not welcome at the club anymore. FSG, the midfield needs a rebrand. Oh, the, the midfield needs a total rebrand. When you look at Henderson hasn't been good enough. Milner, Milner's passed it. Milner's, what, 37, 38? Yeah. Fabinho's been terrible all year. Like I, I, Arthur I, has been a flop. Arts, oh, he's played 13 minutes. He's been injured. He, he played 13 minutes of football and got injured. He hasn't been seen since. Obviously, there's been injuries. Kate has been injured for most of the season. Oxley Chamberlain was injured for most of the season. Curtis Jones is just not at a Liverpool level. Is just not good enough to be at Liverpool right now. Harvey Elliott. Is Harvey right. Elliott has been really good, but he's not but a Liverpool he's, starter right he's, now. He shouldn't be starting for. You shouldn't be starting. you the best midfield Liverpool have right now has two teenagers, and that a, that's at an injury prone 31 year old. And the other thing too is that. Diago needs back because Diago's injury prone badly. Salah had been off of it too. Salah's been off. Salah's been off since the World Cup. Sa- no, I th- or since since Afcon. Salah, when they when I look at that, I'm just like, whoa. Salah has been. I think the big thing that's hurting. I think they're probably like around fifth if Salah is where he was before. Oh yeah, if he was at the point he was the first half of last season, they, I think that'd still be they, think, they'd be fighting. I think we have to get on Salah because Salah this season has been a flop. For the last year, yeah, I mean he's still been the top. Obviously, he still has 15 goals in all competitions, which is okay. That's not, but Salah not Sanders. not Salah numbers. Obviously, and then you got obviously Diaz has been out, Joe has been out. Mm-hmm. Um, Darwin has been okay. Darwin but. has Darwin's been okay. I think Darwin's Darwin's underrated. I think he's been a solid player. He he has everything. He has everything he needs except for finishing. If he could finish like Holland, he'd be better than Holland. But I look, I look at what Darwin does. Darwin, the runs he makes, everything, it's just amazing to me. It's just an end part. He does everything hard, right? Yeah. He doesn't do the simple thing easy. Yeah, the end product's just not there. I mean, he is, he's a really, really talented player. You know, the run, the running, the movement is incredible. The finishing is just not there. And Bicetic has been really good. You know, he's... He's been what we expect mm-hmm. from Fabinho, that tall, lanky midfielder. He's just there and just runs around like a vacuum. That's what he does, and he's really good at that. But I think you know the the situation that Liverpool are in, where the two of the three, two of the midfield three, the best midfield three mm-hmm. being teenagers, is not where Liverpool want to be. 
Also, you know, yeah. Trent, Trent Alexander-Arnold's been out of form as well. I Robertson, talk about that, Trent. Robertson hasn't... He's been better since the World Cup. But still, you know, he, he loses possession a lot, and that's the nature of how he plays. And Van Dyke hasn't been as good because they could usually cover for Trent when he has lapsed defensively. But this season, we're seeing Trent get exposed really badly. Yeah, obviously. Um, you know, I think this season, Liverpool's best defender has been Kanate, uh, who's been obviously pretty good. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, aside from that, like, I, I think the Brentford performance, too, was mm. really demoralizing. What about Tottenham, too? Tottenham, because I think Tottenham is all right, but I think they'll get into top four somehow, but I don't think Conte's going at the end of the season. Conte, yeah, Conte's gone. But Tottenham have just been Tottenham. Mm-hmm. They haven't really done much. Yeah. They've just been, you know, a, a solid team. They haven't had mm-hmm. any major collapses. They haven't had any big moments. Yeah. They've just been... Pretty much average. And let me say one more thing. Everton. They're going down. I think they're going down. Frank Lampard, two years ago or a year and a half ago, they had Carlo Ancelotti on their books and Hummus Rodriguez. Yeah. Just and think about they, that. Then they, they went through. Rafa Benitez was a terrible hire. You can't. It was like he didn't want them to succeed. And I, I think that's probably what happened. I mean, he was, you know, you see him being tabbed Agent Rafa. And on that note, Sean Dyche was a Liverpool fan. This is just crazy. There's, to me. I don't think there's, a, I don't think he's gonna give it the same way as he did at Burnley. I don't think, I don't think they're gonna stay up. Everton, Frank, the hiring of Frank Lampard just looks horrible right now. Oh yeah, it, it was a bad hire. Frank Lampard, I'll say this, is a championship level coach right now. I, I think you're right. And he just had one gazillion championship, got the Chelsea job. You know, and the I name on his back is Lampard. That's why he has these big jobs. Yeah, I mean, I think that the the move was probably to you know at this point accept relegation. I think it's it's bound to happen yeah. now. I think the right move would have, would have been to try and hire Bielsa, because obviously if you hire Bielsa now, you're going down. Yeah. But you also have a chance to build back and come back at, up stronger. Yeah. Like Villa, like Newcastle, and like Leeds, because Leeds are going to stay around. Mm-hmm. But because of that. Now that they've that they've appointed Sean Dyche now, it's it's not the right move. I think mm-hmm. he won eight of his last fifty Premier League games, mm-hmm. which is not good enough. Yeah. I think for for a club that's been that hasn't, the, I think the longest lasting club in the league right now. Mm-hmm. They've been they've been in the t- the last time they were uh, not in the Premier League mm-hmm. or or first when it was first division. Yeah, was the longest to go of mm-hmm. anyone. So I think now that that's I mean that's in serious jeopardy right now. Yeah. I think I think if you're Everton, you have to realize like that relegation is going to happen. Mm-hmm. If not this year, then probably next. Mm-hmm. Because now you lose Anthony Gordon, and and there's obviously losing Richarlison is a big deal. They've lost a lot of talent, uh, and obviously Dominic Calvert Lewin under Ancelotti was really good. He's been not the same. I think I think they're doomed for relegation. I think they're they're very poorly run right now as well. The owners want out. The fans want the owners out, but the owners aren't going to sell. The owners mm-hmm. don't want to sell, but they want to get out. And and they're being marketed like mm-hmm. the sale price is way too high. Mm-hmm. They're getting floated five hundred million. Newcastle went for three hundred million. Yeah. 
and they were in a, of course they were bottom of the league at the time, but they were a promising club. They were a club that still had hope. They were, you know, and once the Saudi takeover came through, they look at them now. Mm-hmm. There's no Saudi takeover happening for these guys. It, I think, I think they're in a really, really bad position. Yeah, and it's sad to see every time the standard of English football is gone. Yeah, I think I think really there's almost no way I, I see them staying in the in the Premier League. Southampton, I think are going to go down too. Who do you think the last team that's going to go down? I think Bournemouth. I think that's fair. I think Wolves are going to squeak through. Oh, going to get them out. Do you yeah. think David Moyes is sacked? Yeah, I think David Moyes is sacked. You think West Ham get through? I think West Ham survived. Yeah. I think West Ham, I think will survive. Yeah. I think they might be in a scrap, but I think they're going to survive. I think Wolves, I think Wolves are going to drag themselves to safety and be safe for enough mm-hmm. and, you know, not really be in a, a not be in that, that uh, dogfight at the end of the season. Um, obviously, they're only sa- they're only in not in the drop zone on goal differential right now. I think they're going to drag themselves clear. I think Leeds are in a Leeds could end up in a fight. Uh Forest could uh, there's still I think Leeds gets out with Weston McKinney. Yeah, that that was a good signing. Leeds do have Leeds also have a game in hand, so we'll see where they go. I think Nottingham Forest with Kaylor Navas. I don't even know how how did they do that? I don't even know how they pulled that off. I don't know how they get out. Because I was saying maybe not in Forest, but with Kaylor Navas they're safe. Yeah, I think they're gonna be safe. I think Leicester could get dragged in. And you know, you look at the table and you think, like, it, it really, if, if Chelsea's performances don't keep declining like this, they could get dragged into the fight. Ryan Potter, if this was Abramovich, he would have been sacked already. I mean, I don't think Abramovich would have even sacked Tuchel. You're right. I think that was where they went wrong. You're right. You're right. But... I just had to say one more thing. Eddie Howe is the best English coach. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I, no, 100%, I think, is it's got to be Eddie Howe. Um, I mean, nobody else has really done it. I think there's that guy who's uh, over in France, Will Still, who looks like he, he could be. He could make a step to that level. Uh, but for now, I think nobody's really getting close. Yeah, for sure. Just the Premier League, one halfway through, not and another half to go. Things could still happen. You say Arsenal's favorites. I s- you say Arsenal's favorites and will win the league. I'll say Arsenal is slight favorites over City. And the United game was a turning was really a turning point for me. What I saw Enkitia doing the way Enkitias came in too. Not to give props to him, the way he's come through and just replaced Jesus. And I don't even think Jesus gets into the team now. No, I mean when I when I saw the Jesus injury, I I thought you know this could be, this could really hurt them, and this could set them back to a point where I think City could become the favorites, mm-hmm. but they didn't, they weren't they didn't show any sign of being really damaged by that, and even in a transfer window, the Jorginho deal, to get him from Chelsea so underrated, a champion, a guy that's been there, and he's not even starting. No, I mean I I don't, I don't know how that signing is going to turn out, uh, you know it could be. It could be really underrated. He could really find his feet. 
because um, you know he hasn't really been all that impressive. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, but he's a Champions League winner, and um, obviously also European champion. I think he's a good backup too. Yeah, yeah I think I you know Thomas Partey has had a good season, mm-hmm. so it, I think it's a, it's a solid signing. It's mm-hmm. a solid reinforcement, and yeah. probably a necessary reinforcement. You know, for for him and uh, for Xhaka. Mm-hmm. But it it could go. It could definitely go bad. It could go bad. But the one thing is that the drop off between after Partey and Xhaka isn't that big with Jorginho now. Right after. No, that that's true. Because you go down before that signing was you know El Nani. I don't even know who else. They had Lakanga, but they, oh, and Lakanga, but he's gonna Palace. Yeah, but Lakanga. To me, he's just, he needs to beef up a little bit more, put on a little bit more muscle. <laughs> it's the Harvey just, Elliott situation. Yeah. yeah. And Harvey just get Elliott. stronger on the ball. Harvey Elliott's very small. Mm-hmm. I think he's listed at like 140 pounds. Wow. Which is really, really small. I mean, footballers are also generally pretty light, but 140 is very small. Mm-hmm. And last, I'll talk about this Surely, but football in England is just different. It doesn't compare to over here. American football, hockey, basketball is not the same as football in England. Because let me tell you, this (laughs) is a life. This is passion. Some of these guys over there, they love their football team and their club more than they love their wife's. And kids, and I'll say that 100% because I went to the North London Derby experience I'm so grateful for. And I'll start off by saying this. My dad and my uncle, they will never let me live this down because I went over to London, had a, had my Arsenal jersey on. I actually have it on right now. And the security guards, they told me when I got to stadium because when I was walking, you know how – White Hart Lane, we took the subway to White Hart Lane, their station. It was like a mile and a half walk down. Long walk. We walked the whole way back. We took a bus halfway to, halfway there for like half a mile and walked the rest of the mile and stuff. And everyone was walking. They took over the streets. Streets were blocked up. I was getting dirty looks from Tottenham supporters when I had my jersey on just walking. I get to the stadium. We're taking pictures, right? I'm my Arsenal jersey out. The little security lady, I'm so grateful. She tells me, she says, she says, no, no, no. She says, cover that up. She says, tuck your jersey inside your pants because we could see it outside the jacket too. And she was not playing because she said they will, she said they will trample you. They might murder you. They might, they will do a lot of stuff. They said, she told me that I'm in the heavy Tottenham and she said, most of the whole stadium is Tottenham. There's one little arsenal yeah. box. And they had the most security I've seen at the whole stadium just covering that box. But the, the rest of the stadium is Tottenham. And they were taking it every seriously. Like, everything was crazy. I heard guys saying, Arsenal this, Arsenal that. Guys saying, guys going crazy. And even during the game, one of the fans went up to Aaron Ramsdale and kicked him in the head. And that was crazy. I it was in the back, though. Yeah. But it's just crazy because yeah, nah, that's, that's how crazy it was. And, and that's a actual player. Imagine what they would have done to fan because they, they said that it would have got hostile around there, because they said don't even cheer when Arsenal score, don't even do nothing. They just said, they just said just be calm, just act like you're a, you're just a neutral supporter because they said that's the best you could do because 
And they were right, because those guys over there are crazy. And they're drunk, too, because they get, they get really drunk during halftime, right before the games. And they, they weren't even right mind. Like, they would have punched me, beat me up, and this a whole stadium against me, because it's like the whole section would have been against me, looking towards me. That's crazy. Yes. No, I mean, you can't even imagine. Mm-hmm. But, you know, the, the hostility. Yeah. Watching American sports. There's... N- there's just nothing to compare. Like, you get, and England, England is tame comparatively. Yeah. Looking like Serbia, the Italy. Red Star and Partizan, is absolutely yes. wild. It's even in South America. That was England. I told, I was telling them England is tame, and this is crazy because American sports, we have diehard supporters, but England is just different. The way they do everything about it. No, if they did it in America, they would have said, "Oh, they have no class in England." That's normal right there. And the chance too, I heard the Arsenal chant because the little Arsenal box, you can hear the whole team. They were saying the Arsenal chance of what do we think of Spurs, the S word. What do we think <laughs> of S word, Spurs? And all that. That's that's a, that's that's an iconic one. I yeah. like that one. That's yeah, one but, of my favorite chants. But still, if you did American sports, you would have had every, it would have been everywhere, and they would have been oh this is disgraceful. And all that. And in England, it's just normal. That's how deep and that's how just load of fans are and a hatred between clubs yeah. rival clubs that's one of my gri- that, I mean, that's my gripe with american sports there's not enough funny chance mm-hmm. you know they don't take advantage of of uh of words yeah, but you know another thing i'll say though tottenham stadium is very beautiful it, it very is. advanced it, i think it's the nicest stadium in yeah because we were in like the nosebleeder seats and we still have a perfect view like with my glasses on i could see the whole stadium it looked like i think i had a better view than some people because it's just like I had a bird's eye view so I could see really the whole field and stuff and it's like the way it is it's like angled up so it's like everyone could see because when that you remember when party at the post right yeah oh my gosh when that went in I thought that was a worldie of a goal because I saw that oh my gosh that was just a worldie because I just I went crazy because I kind of got a little tape where my uncle had to tell me calm down now because you don't want to you don't want us to get beat up because he just said it's <laughs> you against all these people because you gotta I run said, for your life yeah because i was like oh my gosh real fast and then i just said and then and then after that i, I just got tamed back because the two arsenal goals were good too because the first arsenal goal when bukal saka it came out of nowhere like no one expected like it didn't really hit us till we till we saw the replay because we were like did hugo really just do that and i was just like whoa and the second one, Odegaard strike, that was just beautiful. Yeah, I mean, it, it's crazy. The difference between uh, American and European fans. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that's the, you know, the cultural difference. Yeah, and, mo- and, it, and it is a cultural thing. Yeah. And um, the other thing, too, is that most of the fans for Tottenham and Arsenal, I heard, too, they don't even, they're not even from Tottenham because... The, the train station, a lot of them are from different parts of London. They just support the team, and they come out all over. Yeah, I mean, when... I think, you know, that's going to happen because people, mm-hmm. you know, people are raised, you know, support yeah. your parents' club, uh, and they may have grown mm-hmm. up somewhere else uh, yeah. or, or grown up there and moved elsewhere. Mm-hmm. So I think, you know, the whole support your local thing, yeah, I think is, is nonsense. But also, I think Tottenham's in London... More people like Tottenham more than Arsenal because everywhere I went around with the Arsenal jersey, even before I got to Tottenham, like at the hotel, our doorman, he said Arsenal snarled at me in a joking way. But still, there was a lot of people saying, oh, Arsenal, this, Arsenal, that. And I'm just like, whoa. Well, like, you have to, you have to realize it's not, it's not just Tottenham fans. 
It's everyone. It's I, everyone. I know, but I really didn't see anyone say, hey, what's up, Arsenal? Like, when I wear my Arsenal shirt out in t- New York City, I people saying, Arsenal, and chanting to me. I didn't have that in London one time when I wore that shirt, and I was just like, whoa, this is different. Because it's just like, I think Arsenal's probably more of an overseas overseas club more than Tottenham, but Tottenham is bigger in London, I think, or more people support it. Yeah, I think so. I mean, you have to realize, like, also that, you know, everyone, everyone in London hates everyone else. So now you're gonna get, you're gonna get stuff from, you're gonna take, you're gonna take it from, from Tottenham fans, from Chelsea fans, from Fulham fans, from QPR, from, mm-hmm. you know, from Brentford, from Palace, everyone. It's everyone against everyone. It's every man for yeah. themselves. It's, it's very unforgiving. Yeah, but I think that's the nature. But I think that's the nature. I think it's. I think it's cool. I just the culture that they have. I wish we could adopt it to American fans because to see a culture like that, like say the Lakers and Le- and LeBron is playing the Warriors, to see that type of culture that they could bring to the that the United States could adapt from European football would just be amazing to me. Because just seeing that the passion they have and everything, I think American sports it really benefit. Yeah, I think there's just not the same passion. You know, and uh, on the note of passion, you know, you see, like we here, we don't even get enough crowd to to create a soccer, uh, to create a real uh, atmosphere. Mm-hmm. So I, I think, you know, you got we gotta gotta pack the stands for the games. Yeah, we don't really do that enough. Yeah, cause I was even talking to one of the hotel guys one night, and he said even our age like high school or college he says soccer right there they pack it up they take it seriously like they take it as if as if like it's a life it's a, it's a lifestyle and i'll say yeah it really is i mean to an extent it is for us uh you know since this is yeah. what we do um but for them you can't tell them anything about if you say arsenal this arsenal that to a Tottenham fan they're gonna say oh no Tottenham this Tottenham that, and they're, and they're never gonna be in the wrong because it's like that it's just they take it that seriously like oh this is my club this is like my they take it like it's country pride oh yeah and on that note too i want to also say this the world cup i think is the biggest event also one because of the players and everything and what the world cup means but also what you see from the fans and support because the celebrations we saw in australia morocco france remember remember the the guy that was in in argentina Remember the uh, North African guy that was in the middle of the Senegal fans? Yeah, <laughs> that's that's fan of the tournament right there. That was yeah. that was awesome. The, the, the celebrations when you see going back home, I can just imagine that. I saw Australia. I was just like, whoa! Australia went to round of sixteen and they're celebrating like they just went to round of four or semifinals. Yeah, I mean now, like, and you know now those players that went, you know, the Moroccan players that went to the semifinal, like. They're not just Morocco heroes. They're African heroes. Yes, even even Saudi Arabia. When I was when I heard the prince was buying all them rules, rules that was funny. And I was just like, whoa! Just for being Argentina, you guys just won one game against Argentina. Rolls Royce, like, I, if this tournament I think showed showed a lot of people. I knew I knew international soccer and the World Cup was passionate, but when I hear just stories like these, it just always brings my heart and just say and tell everyone that. World Cup is the biggest ever, and and to be honest, that's the one thing I don't like when to not say, oh, this guy isn't great because he hasn't won a World Cup. But when you see it like that and what it means, the World Cup is kind of the World Cup is, is that. Like, I mean, it's the biggest sporting event in the world, 
and there, nothing comes close. It's a national pride right there. You just yeah. want to see your country do it. To be in the World Cup is just a great achievement for a lot of nations. Yeah. And to go far and to have an underdog run, national heroes, you're never going to forget. I can tell you right now, people like Hakimi, Ziyech, Amrabat are never going to be forgotten in Morocco. Yeah. They're, they're going to be legends. Their kid, they're going to tell their kids about it, seeing them play. Yeah, absolutely. And on that note, uh, we have run out of time for this episode. Thank you, everyone, for tuning in and for making it this far. And now sometimes we're a bit insufferable, but uh, mm -hmm. we survive. Um, so we will see you next week for another episode of Soccer Spotlight. Signing off for now, Anthony Heller, Ryan Campbell. <laughs>